Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cold Cuts on Platform Productions, the show where none of the actors have read the script, except for tonight, because we just wrapped up Caroline Lesney's The Broadcast last week. And for tonight's episode, we have a roundtable with the cast, as well as Caroline herself. Unfortunately, both James and Maggie were unable to attend tonight due to pre-existing I almost said pre-existing conditions. That's not true. They had pre-existing obligations. However, Maggie Behan sends the following message. I'm very sad I can't be here for this talk back, but I have prepared a list of very valuable questions for Caroline, as well as comments such as, this was such a fun script to read cold. So many twists and turns and cliffhangers every single week. This was such a fun production, concept, script, and cast to work with. Thank you to all for making it such a cool experience from start to finish. Long live platform. So thank you, Maggie. You and James are very much here in spirit. It was an honor to work with you. And your presence will certainly be felt tonight in this conversation. So without further ado, I would like to introduce the cast one last time, as well as first and foremost, author, the woman of the evening, Caroline Lesney, (laughs) who wrote the previous episodes and whose script we have been working from, theorizing about, discussing, picking apart from top to bottom for the past five weeks and loving every second of it. Thank you so much for being here, Caroline. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's been thrilling to watch this every week. So I'm very excited to get to chat about it with you all this week. Yeah, you have kept us on so many pins and needles (laughs) on a cliffside. (laughs) That was the intention. That was the goal every week, yeah. (laughs) Well, you you certainly succeeded. And I would love to have the cast come through, introduce themselves, tell us which characters you played, as well as just your maybe one-sentence summary thought about your experience before we get this conversation started. First off, we have Paige Elena. Hello, I'm Paige Elena, and I played, um, past tense, uh, Felicity and the heiress. And yeah, I mean, this was just a really fun experience. It was the first time I'd ever done a completely cold read in front of an audience. So it was a really fun experiment to try. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Paige. Next up, we have Eric Anderson. Hello. Yes, Eric, I played Artie and the Gardener. I would say the thrill of performing this live was only matched by the twists and turns in the story. So thank you, Caroline, again. Thank you so much, Eric. And next we have Emery Chase. I'm Emery. I played Irene and the house guest. I had so much fun with this. I loved the script. All of you guys and the actors who aren't here tonight were like so, so fun to work with. Um, it was just like the highlight of my week. And I loved the characters that I played too, which is always a real gem when you like get characters that you really, really like. So very fun time. And well, thank you, Emery. And up next, Kevin Hauger. That's me. I'm Kevin. I played John and the doctor. And I also played myself. I played Kevin Hauger for about three seconds at the very end. That's what I'm playing tonight, incidentally, just not scripted. I had a blast. It felt like discovery every weekend, like we were discovering new things. And each time I was reminded of how fun it was every week. Oh, yeah, this is like the best part of the week. This is so much fun. Oh, thank you so much, Kevin. To start off, we actually have Jay Mawis 
from our Twitch chat, which remember, those of you who are watching this live, you are more than welcome to send in your questions for Caroline and the cast. We would love to hear from you. There is no cold cuts without the people that make cold cuts happen, both behind the camera, in front of the camera, and who show up every week or who show up to the the archived versions of the show to give their own comments, give their own predictions. We're very appreciative of you. Jay Mawis has to say, I can't believe Caroline was the murderer. <laughs> <laughs> there was a very I real was. sense what in which twist. that was true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> on a triple meta level. Well, in honor of Maggie, who couldn't be here, we're going to go ahead and start off with one of her questions, actually. We talked a lot about pieces of media that this reminded us of, such as The Truman Show, Pillow Man, etc. Was there anything specific that you drew inspiration from? That's a great question. I read a lot of Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. I'm a big, I was an English major in undergrad. I was English and, and theater as well, but I love a good novel and I especially love a murder mystery. And uh, so I read a lot of Agatha Christie stuff. I especially liked Crooked House and Murder on the Orient Express. So that's quite different from what this ended up being. And I watched some great like thrillers. I watched um, a lot of Alfred Hitchcock, Rear Window, for example, Mm. which I feel like is the peak of on-screen suspense, you know. Uh, I don't want to give it away, but if you're looking for things that are suspenseful, quite a film. I watched Knives Out, which is just the most contemporary murder mystery. It's the peak. I love it so much. And Ryan Johnson's an icon. And yeah, I'm trying to think if I I read anything else, but yeah, that was, I did a lot of research also on like the murder mystery canon and kind of like what's been written since the 19th century and uh, that sort of standard so that I could draw from it. But eventually I just gave that all up and kind of went from what was in my brain. So, (laughs) but those were very inspiring when I was starting out, especially. Oh yeah. I mean, we could definitely see the thumbprints, especially (laughs) in Knives Out. And I think especially the way that Maggie played the inspector reminded me so much of Daniel Craig in that movie. Oh, good. (laughs) So where did you come up with the idea then to have it basically almost a triple meta story? There's a story within a story and then you find out at the very, very end that it's also within another story. (laughs) How did you come up with that? Well, I'm going to be honest. I, uh, during uh, lockdown, during COVID, like now up to six months ago, I guess, I spent a lot of time just like going on walks and things like that. And uh, just kind of like, spinning things out in my head as far as they would go, ideas that I had for stories. And I'm taking, or I did last year, take a radio course. And I think that- Oh, fun. Radio is really interesting, especially like old fashioned radio. Like what Mm -hmm. was it like in the thirties and the forties when the kind of the peak of radio entertainment was happening. And I was always super interested in what the people making the radio content were like and what they were doing. So I kind of spun that out into um, what a contemporary group of radio people would be doing and what the conversations they would have would be like. And uh, I watched a piece, excuse me, I listened to a piece on the BBC that had um, a writer kind of speak, a real writer speak before the radio play he had written. And I was really inspired by that. And kind of what if that was fictionalized? What would that be like? And the triple thing was just uh, genuinely, I was writing my first draft and I was like, how crazy can I go? (laughs) Can I, Kevin is creating, like breaking the world. What if I broke Kevin's world also? And uh, kind of just seeing how far I could go without it being ridiculous and uh, ran it by some of these great producers with platform and uh, took it as far as I could. So I'm a big fan of doing the most (laughs) and uh, pushing it as far as it can go. So I just had fun. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and the fact that you were having fun was present so much in the way that the story was constructed. Thanks. And you did, you did break Kevin. I think you 
broke all of us in some ways. Okay. And the <laughs> chat has also mentioned, I want to know how many of the actors thought they were the murderer at some point. Ooh. This is a question that we've definitely frequently had amongst ourselves. So, oh yeah, great question, whomever sent that. Thank you. I want to know too. Yeah, same. Because so, so I felt from the beginning that I was like more of a final girl kind of character. <laughs> <laughs> but I figured it wasn't me, especially because, you know, because we, we talked about we didn't know if the murderer had it written in their dossier. And I had like no secrets in my dossier. <laughs> like Felicity seemed like a pretty open book. So I was like, probably not her. Final girl. But the one part where there was the gun cliffhanger, I was like, oh, what if she just like pops in one, you know? Like maybe she's not the main murderer, but she like gets a little in there. <laughs> But no, she didn't. She was my final girl ingenue the whole time. And I loved her for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought maybe somewhere in like episode two or three, maybe I was the murderer just because like Artie pulling strings in the background, just not even in the picture anymore, just going crazy with some real world reality TV playoff. So I never thought that Gardner was, though. He always seemed like he was too simple for, you know, that type. Of, uh, and he died like pretty quick. He died pretty quick <laughs> as well. <laughs> like, he did not really stick around. That long. I didn't give him a chance. Yeah. I certainly felt like I was on the table as potentially being the murderer in either universe. Though I do think once, you know, the real, I can't really call it the real world anymore. Once the like not radio play world started very clearly mirroring the radio play world, I feel like we all were kind of onto the fact that John was probably the mastermind behind it because it wouldn't really make that much sense if he wasn't. But like, there was always in the back of my mind, like, okay, but if it's actually not going in that, like John's the mastermind, direction like it definitely could be me and I think I changed my mind on that the episode that Irene was saying that she's like still in love with Artie because I was like okay well there goes my motive I guess so that doesn't really check out anymore <laughs> if it's less of like a bitter ex-girlfriend thing and more of a like it didn't work out but I'm still kind of interested in it and then that was the same episode that like the house guests started to be pretty clearly rallied with the heiress so then I was like okay no it's not me it's, it's definitely Kevin <laughs> Yeah, I, of course, knew the whole time that I was the murderer. <laughs> but talk about breaking my world. I think you broke it more easily and more soon than you realized. Because <laughs> while we were talking, we had all these like meta conversations about like who knows what from their dossier. And I was like, that's a good question. And if I'm told that I'm the murderer, what if multiple people were told they're the murderer? And it's like a super game show for Caroline. Whoa. And so towards the very end of the thing, I was like, I'm not going to be the ultimate thing. Like, there's going to be something else. And that's <laughs> my last answer when I was like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I was kind of like, I really think this is not going to end with John being the murderer. <laughs> and I was right. My paranoia was real. And to, to go off, actually, what you just said, Kevin, one of our commenters, the legendary Star-Lord 51, wants to know, what information, if any, did you all have on your characters ahead of time? So, Paige, you did mention your dossier, as did you, Kevin. I actually yeah. don't know how much you knew ahead of time as, as well. I only got the scripts only maybe an hour or so ahead of you. Just And it was specifically just to be able to know what questions to ask you. So this is something I'm curious to know as well. Yeah, because I, I, I joked about this a couple of times because and then like people kind of like each episode came out and they were like, oh yeah, like I actually knew that the whole time. Like the heiress's secrets, she knew about the engagement but ever, with Robert and house guests, but everyone did. And she knew that there was a change in the way but that was that also came out and then Felicity's secret was that she has a crush on John 
And that wow, was, what that a was like, secret. I had. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. And then the first episode, like it came up, but there was also, cause I, I saw that and I was like, Ooh, I kind of love playing a character who has a love interest, but doesn't necessarily know how it's going to work out. Cause that's part of the, you know, cold read thing that if you see the script ahead of time, you kind of, you're like, okay, well, they are my love interest, but I love the idea of like, Oh, you don't actually know if this crush works out, but yeah, it I did listen, not. Knew nothing. <laughs> It did not work out really. Like, I, it, was, I think it worked it was a out and then it very story. much did. It was fine. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. So I felicity <laughs> knew like nothing. And then everyone would say, like, oh yeah, this is my dark secret. And I was like, oh like, you really no were idea. the ultimate ingenue. Like you had nothing. <laughs> I had nothing. No drama. So, yeah, I'd love to I'd love to know what you guys knew because I was coming in blind from the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, I think mine was mostly just like relationships, like you were my sister, Irene. What a secret. I know. (laughs) I had like relationships and stuff too, but those were the like, like like the. Yeah. The only secrets that I had was previous relationship with Irene and then toured affair with the house guests. So that was basically everything. I don't even think that, what was it? The drug dealing in real life was in there. Yeah. And so I guess that kind of no. goes into, uh, what's it called? That John is is making this stuff up on the spot. It's like, now your brother is also a drug dealer too. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't have that, that that was also a shock to you. Yeah. <laughs> that you, I can't. you deal drugs. <laughs> that was very simply because I wrote the dossier and I hadn't written that plot point. <laughs> I was wondering. Okay, that's amazing. I mean, I guess it turned out okay because like Artie never really had a chance to react to that. He was already kind sure. of off screen by the time that came yeah. up, so... So Caroline, since you mentioned that, this actually does tie in with one of the questions that Maggie, Maggie wrote some really excellent questions. Thank you so much, Maggie. Did you write this with an episodic structure in mind from the beginning or did you already have the plot developed and then go back and adapt it for episodes? So it sounds like you kind of added the drug dealing stuff in there later. How did you end up developing the story along the way? That's a great question. Awesome, Maggie. I first came up with the internal story actually in a non-episodic way because I felt like there was more to ride on. Like there were more kind of touch points culturally to look at as far as like, what's a Victorian era murder mystery like, you know? And then I decided I did it episodically, but I wrote the whole thing before it started. So I wrote the whole first draft and came up with like the entire plot and like all the twists and everything before first episode got recorded. And then I was kind of like updating and, and reworking as you guys started recording. So that was something that was really interesting for me to do actually, because you guys, I started guessing what was going to happen and I hadn't put in the last couple episodes and I had this moment where I was like what if I just completely changed it and like <laughs> threw a wrench in things but I put so much detail and like effort into setting it up that I was like that would be wrong for me as a writer to do that but yeah I mean it was definitely set up in a way that like I wanted every episode to have kind of like a theme and, and a cliffhanger so it was designed oh, they to all had cliffhangers <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah I mean, the first thing you learned. You were still working on it when we were recording it, but I never said any. I never said anything because it didn't really like come up. But yeah, I don't know. I had a vibe. I was like, I feel like she's Uh. she's tweaking this. (laughs) 
Well, what was fun, honestly, was that I got to kind of play with your real world characters and I got to know you guys as actors, which was really fun. Um, so I kind of got to be like, eh. <laughs> How long did you wait? No, that's, I'm very much curious to hear. I'm wondering how long you waited until you wrote that very last scene <laughs> when it was us as us. Like, was that the night before or were you like, did you do that by episode three? It was the week before. Oh, the week before. The week before. Okay. The week before, yeah. I waited as long as possible. And then I went back and I watched recorded versions and I was like, who would say what here? And uh, I was very happy that you guys kind of felt like it reflected your actual voices because I, I tried really hard to do that. And I obviously, like, I already know Kevin and Maggie. And so it was kind of easy for me to get in there. But uh, I wanted to get a dynamic. And uh, it was hard for me as the writer to watch it and kind of, I knew when the script was going to end. But at the same time, I was like, wow, people are probably confused. So I hope it wasn't too confusing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was very happy to wait as long as possible and figure out who you guys were. Yeah, it was fun. I love what you said about how you kind of worked with our like real life characters as we filmed episodes, as we read it. Because I definitely noticed like, you, just for me in particular, the first episode, like Felicity was a little more like shy and withdrawn and that's not who I am. Mm. And, but then as you wrote it, she kind of like came like more into my voice and a little less like shy and withdrawn. And so I felt, I felt playing the character in the later episodes. I was like, oh, wow. Like I'm really, I really feel like I'm falling into this character more. So that's really, that's really cool that you was, uh, it's the format allowed for you to kind of work with the characters as we're performing them. Yeah. I'm so glad you feel that way. It did kind of feel like I was like originating a piece with a theater company. Like usually you do that through a rehearsal process. It felt like that, at least on my end too, for sure. It definitely also felt like murder mystery and with the dossiers and everything. Yes. Like retroactively, a lot of the information there isn't as exciting to reveal anymore. Like, oh, so-and-so had an affair. But it was so much fun to open that email and be like, oh shoot, yeah. like here's the, the lowdown. This is my dude. <laughs> yeah. It was really fun. Actually, going back to our dossiers, I'm realizing that, like, I think I had, like, the most secrets out of everybody. I have, like, so much tea in mind. <laughs> I've got, like, relationship dynamics on everybody because I was having all the affairs. Um, <laughs> but it was really cool to read because especially to, like, get informed how I was going to portray the character, which was very different than I had auditioned. Because, of course, I love doing Valley Girls. I'm from California. Valley Girls are my favorite. And so that's exactly how I did Irene in the audition. It was like total airhead Valley Girl. And then I get this thing with, like, her backstory. And I'm like, oh, God, this is a fully fleshed out person. I have to completely change my approach here. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really cool to get those. I'm really glad that that came through. Because I, I think with every person, every character, I kind of started with a caricature a little bit of like, what kind of person is this in the room yeah. in a Los Angeles production company? And, you know, you got to go with archetypes. But then, of course, when you're making something that's complex and especially when there's like murder involved, um, you have to have real stakes and things like that. So, yeah, like our, the fact that first episode, this was funny. I wondered, I actually wondered of you guys, like what your takes were on each other, because I thought it was interesting that everybody thought Artie was kind of an asshole, like immediately. And I had not intended that to come across. And uh, I'm sure it was Eric, but... <laughs> I think that was just because I pioneered that. I think I made the choice. I was like, I yes. have to advocate for my character. I have to hate Artie. And it caught on like wildfire. Like, I don't think anything in your writing really made him out to be an asshole. I think I just sabotaged him. 
I mean, with Tarantino, right? So. <laughs> it was, I the, think it was like, Netflix and chill to Tarantino. That's my nightmare scenario. I, I do make it a point in every script I write to like, at least to try to put in some scene where I can slam Quentin Tarantino. Like I love if, if I can do it, I try to make it happen. So just yeah. look out in the future. <laughs> You know, the question I think that we all need an answer to is just everyone does a lot of really bad, a lot of people do very bad things in this script, but oh my God, sleeping in her missing brother's bedroom. Like why? <laughs> why? I don't know. Yeah, how dirty did you feel writing that scene? Because John us. was writing it is why, and John was the villain. <laughs> I was writing so now it. we have justification. There you go. It's all clear. Because John was writing it, and that was the closest bed. <laughs> he was like, fuck. What kind of dirtbag would write that, John? My opinion of Felicity went down like three notches at that point. I was like, Felicity, come on. <laughs> she really did, because she was like, she was such a nice character. That that <laughs> and I remember like, it was at the very top of the episode and I'm like, I have to wait a full 30 minutes before we can discuss <laughs> betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> they really did wake up in Ari's bed and no one no one commented on it until, <laughs> like, in, in the text of the episode. It was the only bed in the apartment. I know. <laughs> Just didn't talk about it. They were like, it's fine. This is normal. No. <laughs> they share Genuine. everything. They should, they're twins. Oh, no. I mean, come on. They're connected now. No, genuinely, I actually initially wrote that in as kind of a... I kind of was trying to decide how much I wanted John to be in control of the characters in the real world, real, quote-unquote real world. And I originally wrote this whole plot point that... Felicity was like, why did I do that? I didn't intend to sleep with him. That wasn't going to happen. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I I wanted to, but I didn't, blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of decided that that might give it away too early. You guys figured it out anyway. But I wanted to kind of, I also wanted to give her a little more agency the further along the, the, the story went. And so her, you know, choosing to be in this relationship with this guy, even though it ended up that he was manipulating her the whole time, you know, that's still her choice. And so I, I decided to cut that. But um, yeah, I guess Artie's bed uh, was a casualty of that cut storyline. <laughs> well, because <laughs> it certainly, the concept certainly had the potential to be considerably darker. Yes. It, like, even though they are technically fictional, like Felicity doesn't think she's fictional. So mm-hmm. it certainly could have taken a far darker turn. So I noticed that you did at the end kind of add that little like, I couldn't have made you, like, I didn't want to make you feel this way. Like I'm adjusting the circumstances, but not how you are feeling emotionally. So, yeah, I mean, one of the things I wanted to talk about in the script, and I mean, this is kind of subtle, I suppose, in it, but it's like what it's like to be a woman in in the room in a creative industry. And that mostly came from Sebastian in a lot of ways, but John a little bit as well. And like what it's like to be sitting there and have someone say like, you're delivering this wrong. And you're like, yeah, but you're not a woman. You don't know what what I would say. Like, and um, so yeah, I wanted to kind of like give Felicity this timidity and like lack of control at the beginning that she had at the end. And uh, yeah, what it's like to take control of your own story, which is, is difficult for all of us, I think. Yeah. That arc came across really beautifully. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I would definitely read this overall as like Felicity's story is what it turned into and kind of was the whole time in a really cool way. I was going to ask a question, so I can save it if you want, Meredith. Let me know. Oh, no, no. I mean, this comes from chat and this is going to be one for the cast, but I would love to hear what you had to say as well. I just wanted to know what everybody, if anybody caught on to any of the meta kind of third level um, storyline, you know, outside 
outside of the world. And I did throw some things in there with various conversations that clearly were written, if you look at it in retrospect and things like that. And whether that was completely out of nowhere for people or yeah, what the reaction was to that. Because obviously last episode, there was barely any time at the end to talk about it. So um, yeah. I'm just interested as the writer to know. Yeah, You mean the third, like the meta level where we're ourselves or the one under that? <laughs> I mean, that as well, but definitely the one <laughs> okay. under that of John mm-hmm. being the writer of this world. Because um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't want to say anymore. I just want to know what you guys think. <laughs> I feel like you could tell that there was something going on like in the script there where there's there's some type of force that's influencing events and the characters are somewhat referencing it like straight up like when Felicity walks in and everyone stops talking it's like okay there's clearly something going on here are these guys just actors so like putting those pieces back together like looking back is definitely uh you can see the you can see the little pieces yeah I don't think that any of us thought it was like going where it was though like it was no because we all knew like we were like okay John's pulling the strings somehow and I think that we didn't really explicitly talk about this, but I think it did get to a point where we were like, but there's really no way he could be accomplishing this. I like, did everyone else kind of have that thought too of like, there's just no way he could be doing that. So I think there was always this kind of like, well, there must be like something, but I, for one, certainly never guessed it was going to go to like a third level of meta-ness with it. <laughs> and we like jokingly did. We were like, oh, it's the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were like, ha ha ha, no way. And we joked about Truman Show too, but we didn't actually like mention it. No, every time we were like carbon monoxide, that was like, that was, <laughs> that was the ultimate in our guess. We were like, it's just drugs. Bone chilling for me <laughs> that someone was going to be like, LOL, wouldn't it be funny if this was like John was writing the whole, every time I was like, don't say it. <laughs> but I'm, gl- I'm glad that there were, like, I think James said it was the game or something like that, which was cracking me up. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He was like, it is just that. And I was like, yeah, but don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> Second episode, I was like, I am like 99% sure it's John. I didn't know like the details, but I was like, I am 99% sure it's John, but I don't, I don't want to say it. And thankfully, I think we skipped the like prediction, like whatever episode it was, we skipped that little like, who do you think did it? So I was like, okay, because I didn't want, I was like prepared to make someone up because I was like, I am so sure. I don't know how, but I am so sure right now that I don't want to say it out loud. Wow. <laughs> I have to give major, major props to Kevin because like, yeah, you did such a good job of yeah. making John like, you seemed so nice but then it seemed like such false niceties, but then you were so sweet. Like, I didn't want it to be John. Like, I feel like I had that whole audience experience of like, it's gotta be this guy, but man, does it have to be? Because he's so nice. Oh my gosh, amazing. And by the time that, I mean, I think the last few episodes, everyone was pretty much explicitly like, I'm pretty sure it's John. Yeah. And at that point, for me, it was more of a game of like, okay, I just don't want them to know that I know. And so <laughs> the real yeah. performance ended up being, or not the real performance, but like another fun thing ended up mm-hmm. being me trying to like mm-hmm. keep up the act of not knowing who it was until the very last episode. So well I with bought. that though. Because I lit, I did not, until you said I knew the whole time, I didn't know if you genuinely knew the whole no, time. No, I didn't either. Yeah. You did really well with that. You weaponized a nice guy. Just chef's kiss. You did. <laughs> it was so perfect. Honestly, like major props, especially like you and Paige. Like, I mean, I know Paige didn't know that Kevin was evil, <laughs> but <laughs> all the little like romantic things that happened, I was like, Kevin has won them over. They don't suspect him anymore because Kevin has done such a good job. And then of course- He they really still, did. They still did. Because he's so nice. 
It was like so hard to, I just assumed you were so playing nice. John as the sweet, timid, little nice guy because you're so nice. <laughs> Aww. 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 I was hoping it would was, be like a I was, triple bluff. <laughs> I was bummed out by the end. I was like, I liked their little romance story. <laughs> like, it was, no, was kind of cute every now and then, and even though it was weird. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't think about it, it was cute in like retrospect. Exactly. Yeah. Don't think too much. <laughs> We do have some comments and questions from the chat. One comment, I thought John was pulling it off in a more Moriarty kind of real world way. Ooh. Didn't expect the magic part. Ooh. Yeah, any of us. Yeah. The, the layers of meta, none of us. And then someone else in the chat would like to know, when you got to the scripts, did you scroll to the bottom or ahead? <laughs> also, what did you do when you saw a word you didn't know? Which is excellent question because especially for aspiring actors, that are watching this and we'll have to do cold reading. So yeah, definitely want to hear about your processes there. Confidence. You pick a pronunciation, you stick with it. You don't stutter on it at all. <laughs> it doesn't, you could be so wrong, but you just go, well, this is the vowel sound I'm choosing and you say that. Mm. But um, to answer the first question, I will be honest here. I would not read the lines, but I would scroll looking for highlights yeah. to make sure I knew when I had to be on it. Like if, if I was like, okay, I have like a five page break or, oh, it is nonstop. And I just, I need to be like right there. That is all. That is the only time I would scroll. I wouldn't read ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did as well. Because I did want to know like when I should expect to be talking. And there were a couple instances. The only time that I would like read is if I could see that the house guest had like, it was never Irene, it was always the house guest, had like kind of a monologue coming up. I just, I know myself well enough to know that like, I need to read that first or I will be tripping over my tongue. So like I did prep those a little bit, but for everything else, I would be like maybe a line or two ahead just so I knew what had to come out of my mouth. But yeah, just kind of like road mapping where I need to have my mic muted or unmuted and stuff like that. And I don't think I had any words I didn't know how to pronounce. But if I did, yeah, just pick something and roll with it. Just be as smart as Emery and you'll never have that problem. <laughs> I didn't have any fancy. It was like all the, the doctors and everyone who was talking about like weird old timey stuff. The house guest was kind of just chilling. <laughs> Yeah, you and Maggie, I know Maggie had it, but I think you also, Kevin, where it was just like a monologue of medical terms. And <laughs> I was looking at that like, oh boy, I'm glad that's not me right now. You said it though, Paige. Yeah, you literally just say it yeah. with full confidence because that's even if you're totally wrong and someone goes, wow, that wasn't right. That's going to break the world so much less yeah. than like, bur, bur, hmm, bur, 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 yeah. hmm, like just sitting there. Because it sounded good. Both you and Maggie, I remember listening like, damn, I guess they know what all of these are because I've never heard of that. Yeah. If you want like real fancy, like how to actually prepare for that, learn International Phonetic Alphabet. Yes. Because even if you don't know what language it is immediately, like it will help you if you get a real handle on phonetic pronunciation. And I say this not really knowing IPA, but I've briefly studied it. And it's one of those things where I'm like, someday I'll make the time because it is a really good thing to have in your toolbox. And it helps you a lot with cold reads and things you don't know how to say. Yeah. I've never done that, like looking up the entire phonetic alphabet but like when I look up words in the dictionary I'll always spend like an extra minute and just like okay this is how the pronunciation is it's usually just like a e or a, uh like that's what the differences are yeah. in the dictionary I don't know if they actually use IPA they use kind of like spelling out right sound but IPA there's like this whole thing there's a's with like a million different umlauts on them and like it's a whole alphabet it's a very big undertaking but like flashcards it's a good tool I recommend it good for accent work too Emery you were saying you didn't have any medical 
medical terms, but you did have quite a few international words about various villas and places you'd been in in Austria and things like that, which cracked me up when you got them perfectly correct first try. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. There is a chance that I had run ahead and clocked those and Googled them. (laughs) Fair. I vaguely remember doing that, but Hmm. I think it was during auditions that I remember doing that because I know the house guest had like a word in auditions. But you're right. I did have some weird international words. For the house guest, I was like, well, I'm doing an accent. So like anything (laughs) I say wrong, we can just kind of slide under the rug. So there is another question coming in from Kat, uh, chat, Kat, chat. Caroline, this is for you. How did your writing or process change knowing that it would be a cold read? Ooh, that's a fabulous question. Mm-hmm. It didn't change a lot at first. And then by the time I was finalizing scripts, it was completely different. So I, one of the big things is that I had to spell it out, not only in a way that an audience would understand just auditorially, because that's a big thing for writing for audio is you can't rely on visuals. Even though in this case, we sort of did with this Twitch, you have to kind of spell it out for your audience. But I also had to be spelling it out for the cast at the same time. And you guys have to understand what's happening in the scene or the delivery will go crazy. And I have to say, like, I was so impressed every single week with the ability with which you guys delivered scenes and like paced scenes. But yeah, I think the things that were biggest for me were gave kind of delivery instructions. So things like parentheticals with like ironic or honest or sad or something like that, if it was really important to how the scene played out of the plot. And the other thing, this is kind of tricky, which none of you, maybe you guys noticed if you're like writers already or if you know this, but I really strategically placed where there were stage directions. So if there were moment which I needed to be really tense or uh, if I really wanted a, a dramatic pause, I would put a stage direction in there so that Meredith reading it, you kind of created this natural space for the actress to either breathe or change their tactic or kind of give space to the words. And um, that was something I've never had to do before. So it was very entertaining for me to kind of, I would sit down and like read things out loud and say, oh, that's way too fast or oh, that's way too slow. And then how am I going to delete or add things? And even sometimes I was watching it like live and I'd be like, nah, didn't do that correctly. But you guys were so good that it it came off so well every time. So that's mostly what I did. I was very impressed with, with the difficult words and the difficult deliveries. And oh yeah, some italicies and stuff like that. Like this word needs to be emphasized in a sentence. But yeah, that's kind of what I did. I relied mostly on these guys and they killed it. So <laughs> sort of a, I was going to say Meredith did a great job with the stage direction. Like oh, yeah. it was, it was flawless in between sentences and interactions. Yeah. Yeah. And with the tone too, you're like yes. setting the tone the way you delivered it. It was like, yes, we are like in the space that we need to be. It was awesome. Every time there was a cliffhanger, Meredith, I was like, yeah, Yes, she got it perfectly because you can completely make or break an episode by being like, and someone's dead or, and someone has been murdered. Like it completely changes the tone. And, and I was so thrilled. So yeah, it was killer. Pun intended. Thank you. Oh, I, I always like how you ended it with like end of scene, end of episode five. That was, your writing really helped bring that tone out, I thought. Thanks. You've paced it a lot better than you're giving yourself credit for. Oh, thank you very much. That was a challenge, but it was fun. <laughs> a fun challenge. All of this was. Yeah, I was going to say, and honestly, as far as like the preparation of like reading through stuff before, same as everyone else see when I'm reading, but I would try like not to look at it at all, except for like Quinn, I think, just because I had to like... get that. (laughs) I had to get that voice out. (laughs) Like, it 
was really surprising how like I was just able to pick up what the tone was just based off of the context and the script in front of me. So it was a really good job on that front too. Yeah, Eric, can I ask you like how you kind of played with your accent work? Because I did give you more different characters than anybody else. And I was always so impressed by you kind of almost like pulling something out of a hat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how do you do that? I didn't give Eric any advanced knowledge, by the way. I gave him a character name and that was it. No packets whatsoever for supporting characters. It so. was basically just pulling it out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Boston, the Boston accent just happened to work <laughs> with the gardener. Like that was before I think I even knew it was set in like New England at that time. Mm. Just because I needed something to, that's like my, I live close to Boston. So that's my go-to default accent. And then Quinn, it was just like, <laughs> this guy seems like an asshole. So <laughs> <laughs> It up a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, it was basically just like, all right. Quinn's accent was so good. <laughs> Seriously. I wanted him to come back really bad because I, I wanted to see him again. He was so good. I'm writing that spinoff. I'm going to write it. <laughs> Let us know when the spinoff happens. Oh, yeah. Well, I volunteer as tribute to do the, yeah. the stage directions for that one. Oh, good. It's a buddy comedy. It's Artie and Quinn and Eric's doing both the voices. Yeah. <laughs> cool. oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I will be listening. <laughs> so it's been wonderful to talk with all of you we are going to have to be wrapping this up unfortunately caroline i'm so glad that you were able to join us tonight and share with us everything that went into this wonderful wonderful story so before we wrap everything up officially i would love to go through the cast and caroline as well and for those of you who have current projects, websites, social media that you want to share with our fans. Don't feel obligated if you're not very active or anything on social. But if people want to talk to you and have questions further that they would love to ask or to follow your careers, where they can find you. And so let's go ahead and since we went alphabetical, let's do reverse alphabetical this time. So, Kevin, where, if you would like to share where people can find you, where can they find you and what current projects are you working on? And if you don't have anything to share, tell people what just what makes you so excited, your final thoughts about this project. Okay. Well, I have my site, which is just kevinshauger.com. And that's like the most professional thing. My Instagram is mostly just me and my girlfriend, to be honest. But it's out there. If you want to message me and say hi, I'd love to say hi to you. And then I'm, I'm doing Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. If anyone's in Texas and wants to come to Colleen, or if you want to fly all the way across the country. No, other than that, I was mostly stoked on this project. It has been a blast. Thank you so much, Kevin. Emery Chase? Okay, you can find me online on Facebook of Spelling Your Name Weird. You get all the good usernames. <laughs> My website is also emerychase.com. I don't have any current projects other than, well, my day job and voice acting gig. I work for Canoe. If you have young children with grandparents, it's a really cool app launching soon that can help connect them. And I voice the little tutorial character that uh, tells you how to use everything. So, and I love this project so much. I am really, really sad that it's over. I'm excited to come back for the hub in a few months. But yeah, I will miss this script so much because I just adored it. It was so good. And I honestly kind of want to go reread it. Thank you so much, Emery. Eric Anderson. I don't really use it that much at the moment, but I will soon. But yeah, you reach out to me there. Not a whole lot for current projects right now, so 
Thank you so much, Eric. And Paige Elena. Yes, you can find me at my website, pageelena.com, A-L-E-N-A. Uh, I have a bunch of new audio drama episodes Ooh. coming out. Couldn't tell you when, but that's when it'll be updated. Uh, you can also find me on any social media at It's Paige Elena. So same spelling, but with an I-T-S in front of it. That's Twitter, that's Instagram. And I also update Twitter with any new audio drama episodes coming out. And I had so much fun with this script, and I had so much fun with this cast. And I'm so sad that in a minute or two, we're going to be hearing that exit music from for the last time because this was such a wonderful part of my week. And so thank you Aww. so much, Caroline. And thank you so much to, to the cast. And our intrepid writer, the woman who <laughs> kept us on our toes for the past five weeks, the brilliant Caroline Lesney. Where can people find the rest of your writing and what you're working on? Thank you. I am, everything's at my website, which is carolinelesney.com. My last name is L-E-Z-N-Y, five letters, you can do it. And uh, if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm pretty active there. It's at scripts by Caroline. And uh, yeah, I'm working right now on a couple of uh, scripts for my MFA, which I'm going to be finishing at the end of the year. And uh, uh, if you're in the London area, I'm going to have a reading on of a short play that I wrote oh, uh, in only a couple of weeks. So check me out on my website, my Instagram. I'm always updating. And I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who listened every week and especially to this amazing cast cast and crew. This was so thrilling for me as a writer to, to get this experience. And I could not imagine it done better than it was these past few weeks. So thank you guys all so much. This really has meant so much to me. Thank you, Caroline. And thank you, everyone else. It has been a huge honor to work with all of you. Thank you for spending the past five weeks with us together with the, the crew and the fans. It's been really fantastic. So thank you. Oh my God, I'm crying a little bit. Thank you for being here. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Cold Cuts is based on an original idea by writing producer Declan Grogan. Woo! Music by Vincenzo Torsiello. And the broadcast was written by Caroline Lesney. We do this every Saturday and every Tuesday the videos are going to be posted on YouTube and the audio is available on all streaming platforms. Next week we will be starting again on a new story by a new writer with a new cast. But the same concept because none of those actors have any idea what the script says <laughs> until they get it on your screen. So we hope that you'll continue to watch and, and continue to enjoy all of these great stories and great actors that we've been sharing here with you at Platform Productions. Make sure to please follow us online at Platform Prodco for more information about the upcoming story and upcoming cast. P-L-A-T-F-R-O-M-P-R-O-D-C-O. And we'll see you next week. 